Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the live internet broadcast, Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish. Today is Sunday, May 7th of 2023, and we're talking about the 144,000 first fruits prophecy in the book of Revelation. I invite you to listen live at 12 p.m. Central, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, every Sunday to PGN Prophetic Grace Network. And in May of 2023, we have analysis and discussion of the 144,000 first fruits prophecy with me, your book of Revelation research scientist. And we are having these analyses and discussions on Sundays and on Thursdays. On Thursdays, we are live here on PGN at 9 a.m. Central Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern Time. I invite you to share your perspective, to pose a question, or present a prayer prayer request during the live Internet broadcast. You can do that by listening at blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. Sometimes people like to listen um, using their computer or using another Internet-enabled device. So you can always listen to the live broadcast by going to blogtalkradio.com dot com backslash live prophetic you can also listen via phone our pgn phone number is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven that's one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven remember we have two pgn phone numbers right now so make sure that you're using the phone number for the show that you are listening to uh, for this particular program, Secrets Revealed, understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. We're on the old PGN phone number, which is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. If you're listening during the week, remember, um, if you're listening to Prophet Randy's uh, program in the evenings, Remember, that phone number has been updated to one three one nine five two seven six seven three seven. Okay, not to be confusing, um, but just to make sure people know how to uh, tune in to PGN. The other way that you can connect is via text. Maybe you're listening and you want to share a question uh, or a perspective. Uh, or a prayer request. So you can text us 24-7. The PGN text number is 1-214-505-8719. That's 1-214-505-8719. So today, if you'd like to follow along using the basic study notes, I encourage you to do that. So there are basic study notes. Uh, thank you for the suggestion that came in last year. Someone asked, are there are there study notes that we can use uh, for our Book of Revelation talks? And that request was followed up with uh, 
me creating for you and for every truth seeker listening to PGN some basic study notes that you can use. There are 12 statements of prophecy, 12 visions that John the Revelator was shown all in a row that appear in the book of Revelation, starting with Revelation chapter 5 and ending with verse 5 of chapter 22. And today we're talking about one of those 12 visions, which are essentially moving pictures. Today we call moving pictures movies, but these weren't uh, just any kind of moving pictures or movies. John the Revelator was shown pictures of realities, future realities, and we call those kinds of movies documentaries. So essentially what we're talking about is a documentary. An all-knowing God created a documentary of future events to show John the Revelator in the past so that you and I in the present will know what is to come. As children of the light, we should not be in the dark. We should not be unaware of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when we study the book of Revelation, those secrets are unlocked for those who uh, have an ear to hear. So I believe you have an ear to hear, and that's why you're listening to PGN. And uh, on the basic study notes, which, again, are available at blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. Today is May 7th of 2023. On the basic study notes, there appears seven items under letter A, the name of the statement of prophecy, under letter B, the location in the book of Revelation, letter C, the location of the abstract, which is the movie trailer for the 144,000 first fruits prophecy, as well as the full report. And then uh, listed also under letters E and F are the non-exhaustive and non-exhaustive list of key topics, which includes the mark of God, the resurrection, first fruits, and throne of God, as well as keywords, phrases, and numbers. And finally, um, a note about the prophecy in the group of prophecies context. So I'm um, not going to go over all that here, but if you wish to uh, study, have further study and engagement with what we are talking about, what you're listening to today, um, I encourage you to go there and to see those basic study notes at your leisure. Okay, let's talk about secrets. A secret revealed in the book of Revelation is that the harvest described in the Holy Bible has a third part. Let me read to you something in Romans chapter 11. It says in Romans chapter 11, I want you to understand this mystery. So we know we're talking about secrets. There's a mystery. And here it is. Dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves, some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. Let's pause there. We're told in Romans 
that there's a mystery. And that the mystery is the hardness of hearts that some of the people of Israel still have, it will persist over time. It will continue, but only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. What's the full number of Gentiles? The full number of Gentiles is all Gentiles whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. All Gentiles who participate in the first resurrection, who participate in the marriage of the Lamb. Now, when does this happen? Now, again, what are we talking about? A mystery. So the mystery is this. There's the reality that some people in Israel, those who are fruit from the original olive tree, some of them fail to receive Jesus Christ. Why? We're told over and over again in Romans it's because their hearts were hardened. And so even though the disciples taught repeatedly, the old covenant is outdated and it's been replaced by the new covenant. Because of their hardened hearts, they continue to follow the old covenant from that period of time, fast forward to when the second temple was destroyed in 70 AD, fast forward to the year 200 AD, 300 AD, 400 AD. Let's jump ahead to 1500 AD, 1900 AD. Let's jump ahead a little farther along to 2023. There are still those in Israel who have hardened hearts. Now, this is not to say that anyone is bad or evil. Certainly not. But the truth is, is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through him. So those individuals who will very shortly begin to worship in the rebuilt temple, the third temple will be rebuilt shortly, and in that temple, the rituals that involve the 10th red heifer will be conducted. Yet, though they have a fervor and a passion and a love for God, they will be following the old covenant. Yet, we're told in Romans that the old covenant has been outdated. You say, research scientists, you've said the same thing over and over again, I know. I want to make sure that we all get it and that we're all on the same page. Now, here's the secret. It says this. Some of the people of Israel have hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so, all Israel will be saved. Let me say that again. 
only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ, and so all Israel will be saved. Let's cut to the chase. What does it mean? It means that after the last person outside of Israel and who is not a biological Jew, when that last person who participates in the first resurrection, that last person came to Christ, that's when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So we're going to see in the book of Revelation today, in the seven seals prophecy and in the 144,000 first fruits prophecy, that there are three parts to the harvest. Now, here's the thing. How can all Israel be saved? All Israel will be saved when Jesus Christ returns to fight and win the battle of Armageddon on their behalf. And in Zechariah, we're told that when a large percentage of Israel has been taken captive after the armies of the Antichrist have invaded the land, Jesus Christ will return. And when he returns, he will fight and win the Battle of Armageddon on their behalf. And when they see their Messiah returning and they see who their Messiah is, they will receive the truth. They will no longer have hardened hearts. And so 100% of the individuals who are in Israel, these are the individuals who refuse to leave Jerusalem, despite the fact that almost the entire world will have turned against Israel. Not every place and every country and every person, but the world, a significant part of the world, will have turned against Israel. The armies of the Antichrist will traverse the dried up path of the Euphrates River as described in Revelation chapter 16, and they are there to destroy Israel. They think that Israel is uh, an easy target. They have millions. Israel has thousands. Now let's hear about it in Zechariah. Zechariah 14 says this, Watch, for the day of the Lord is coming. When your possessions will be plundered right in front of you, I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. Now, when is he going to gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem? It's described over and over again in the Bible. We're told that he gathers all the nations together in Revelation chapters 15 and 16 in the seven final plagues prophecy. He gathers them together by giving them that path. He wants the armies of the world, led by the Antichrist, 
He wants those armies to come precisely to the location that has been foreordained for the war waged in righteousness. That's the Battle of Armageddon. So that's what we're talking about here in Zechariah 14. We're going there because we want to understand what does this mean? And so all Israel will be saved. It means that the third part of the harvest, in other words, when Jesus gets his forever family, all who will be members of the royal race, all who transition from mortality to immortality, it happens in three parts. The very last part of the harvest is all Israel. You heard that right. So in Romans, when it says, and so all Israel will be saved, it doesn't mean part of Israel or some of Israel or a significant percentage. It means all Israel. Now, let's hear in Zechariah 14 how it's going to happen. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses looted, and the women raped. Half the population will be taken into captivity, and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he fought in times past. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. And it also says later in verse 6, on that day, the sources of light will no longer shine, yet there will be continuous day. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. Now, notice it talks about this in the seven trumpets prophecy when describing the events uh, connected to the battle of Armageddon. And it says in verse 9, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. What's that day? That day is the day when the battle of Armageddon is fought in one. That day is the day that Jesus Christ returns and there's the marriage of the Lamb followed by the marriage supper of the Lamb. In other words, there's the resurrection Followed by the Battle of Armageddon. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. So when is Jesus Christ going to be king over all the earth? It hasn't happened yet. When he came at time one, he came as the Lamb of God. When he comes again at time two, he's coming as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming to do what? To fight. Fight who? The armies of the world. For what purpose? To defend Israel so that all Israel will be saved. Now let's pause for a moment. Those of us who are Gentiles have sometimes heard of a teaching called replacement theology. This is the idea that 
every place in the Bible where you see Israel in the New Testament, it really means the church. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. It's impossible to unlock the secrets of the book of Revelation if you're following that logic. Repeatedly, we see a pattern in the book of Revelation where the Lord reveals what will happen specifically for Israel at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, at the time of uh, both the resurrection and the battle of Armageddon, what will happen for biological Israel and what will happen for the church. I said biological Israel, but I mean to say what will happen for those individuals who are there in Israel, in other words, who are at that specific location. Consider this, the Battle of Armageddon is local. It's not international. The Battle of Armageddon isn't going to happen in Canada. It's not going to happen here in the United States of America. It's not happening in South America or Australia. It's happening in a specific location, in a specific nation. It's happening in Israel. It's happening in Jerusalem. That's a very specific location. So in the book of Revelation, there are prophecies, reports about the future that reflect what is happening during the Great Tribulation, specifically in Israel, and what is happening elsewhere. Same thing with the Battle of Armageddon. Now, the Battle of Armageddon... Again, it's not fought internationally. It's fought locally. So in Zechariah, chapters 12, 13, and 14, it's discussion about what happens when Jesus Christ returns to fight and win the battle of Armageddon. Now let's go to the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. We're going to talk about who is all Israel. So in Revelation chapter 14 verses 1 to 5, we have one of the two shortest statements of prophecy in the book of Revelation. That's this 144,000 first fruits prophecy. It has 5 verses. And then it's followed by the earth reaped prophecy, which includes verses 6 to 19. Now, I want to show you a secret. The pattern that exists in the book of Revelation, where we're told what happens to those individuals who are Jews and in Israel at the time of the second coming. And also we see this pattern uh, when talking about what happens during the Great Tribulation. Let's go to the seven seals prophecy so you can see this pattern. And then we're going to go to the 144,000 first fruits prophecy in chapter 14 where we see the same pattern. So what I'm saying is when we look at Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 14, we see a pattern. 
when we look at Revelation chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 13, that's another example of the same pattern. So that pattern appears at least three times in the book of Revelation. Let's go to the uh, where it's relevant for what we're talking about today. So with respect to the harvest, in other words, every person who ultimately transitions from mortality to immortality, there's a third part of the harvest. So what happens to those individuals who, who are not following Jesus Christ? Yet they are worshiping God. They are waiting for their Messiah. Where are they waiting? They're waiting in Jerusalem. They have refused to leave the city that is being ravaged. They've refused to leave the land that was promised to their forefather Abraham and his descendants. They are standing firm in their faith that their God will save them that their Messiah will come. And in fact, he does come, as we just heard in Zechariah chapter 14. Now, these individuals have not found and followed the plan for salvation outlined in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, discussed in John and elsewhere in the New Testament. So what happens to them? We're told what happens to them in the seven seals prophecy. Let's hear it. Revelation chapter 7. After this, I saw four angels stationed at the four corners of the earth, firmly holding back the four winds of the earth so that no one should blow on the earth or sea or upon any tree. Then I saw a second angel coming up from the east, the rising of the sun, and carrying the seal of the living God. And with a loud voice, he called out to the four angels who had been given authority and power to injure earth and sea, saying, harm neither the earth nor the sea nor the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God upon their foreheads. And then I heard how many were sealed, marked out of every tribe of the sons of Israel. There were 144,000. Let's pause there. So there are 144,000 individuals who will receive the seal of God. The mark of God. And where does the mark of God go? It goes on their foreheads. Now, what is the mark of God that goes on the forehead? That's the name of God, the name of the city of the God of Jesus Christ and Jesus' own new name. And we know that the mark of God is only for those who are victorious. And you can only be victorious if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so just like it said in Romans chapter 11, after the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, all Israel will be saved. And so after Jesus Christ has returned and the first two parts of the harvest have come in, so those 
who have found and followed God's plan for salvation, who are Gentiles and those who are biological Jews, but who have found and followed God's plan for salvation, we will have already transitioned from mortality to immortality, but there's a third part of the harvest. So you say, well, what are the first two parts? Those who are disembodied spirits in heaven, first, they're going to descend. What does that mean? Well, they're two in one. They're spirit and soul. But they're lacking their peak performance body. They're lacking their glorified body. They're lacking a tangible body. They're the first part of the harvest as described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So first, they're going to descend and their bodies, their reconstituted bodies will rise from the earth. They will put it on like a new outfit that fits them just right. And then those of us who are here on the earth, who have found and followed God's plan for salvation, we will transition from mortality to immortality in the blink of an eye. We will transition from having uh, a body with DNA errors to a body that is 100% free of DNA errors. Those are the first two parts of the harvest. And then we will rise up second, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. But there's a third part of the harvest as described in Romans. After the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, after those first two parts of the harvest comes in, all Israel will be saved. What does that mean? After the first resurrection, all Israel is saved. You say, well, I don't see that research scientist. Let's keep reading. So these 144,000, they get the mark of God on their head. So that communicates that they are now victorious. In other words, Jesus tells us in Revelation chapter 3, Verse 12, talking about he who overcomes is victorious. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which descends from my God out of heaven and my own new name. And we're told in Revelation 22, his name shall be on their foreheads. So only individuals who are saved get the mark of God on their foreheads. And so even though 100% of these Jews are Jews who had hardened hearts at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, when they see who he is and they believe in their hearts that he has come to save them and they mourn, his death when they realize what has happened. That's described in Zechariah chapters 12 and 13. They mourn when they realize it. They mourn on the same day. But we're talking about right now the reality that the individuals who will be worshiping in the rebuilt third temple have hardened hearts. You say, well, how do you know that? If 
a person is following the old covenant, we're told in Romans, that means that they've yet to receive the truth of Jesus Christ. Why would someone not receive the truth of Jesus Christ because the individual, we're told in Romans, has a hardened heart? So their hearts are going to be softened when they see that unless their Messiah had come, they would be 100% destroyed. Now, let's hear about these individuals. We just, we, we just heard how the, uh, the angel was given the instruction. It says in verse 3, Harm neither the earth nor the sea nor the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God upon their foreheads. Now, why is there going to be harm to the earth and to the sea? Because the battle of Armageddon is about to be fought. After the marriage of the lamb is the marriage supper. So there's the resurrection, the harvest, the bride of Christ, once that happens, then the marriage supper happens. That's the battle of Armageddon described in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. So unless those Jews who remain in Jerusalem have that mark of God put on their foreheads, which is the evidence that they are a part of the harvest that makes them a part of those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life that allows them the protection that they need so that they will not be harmed now that the Battle of Armageddon is about to be fought and won and those individuals in Jerusalem who do not have the mark of God on their forehead, they are going to be destroyed. In fact, we're going to hear in Revelation 14 that there's going to be hundreds of miles of blood pouring from the bodies of those who are destroyed in Jerusalem, in Israel during the Battle of Armageddon. But none of that blood will be the blood of the 144,000. Now, who are the 144,000? Let's hear it. Verses 5 to 8. 12,000 were sealed, marked out of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 out of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 out of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 of the tribe of Sibian, 12,000 of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 of the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000 of the tribe of Joseph, Joseph, 12,000 of the tribe of Benjamin. That is the 144,000. It does not include any individual who is not specifically a biological Jew, and it does not include any individual who's a biological Jew or uh, who has any other biological heritage um, who's not in Israel. Okay, if you could give me one moment. 
So the 144,000 includes only biological Jews who are in Jerusalem at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And those individuals represent all Israel. And 100% of them will be saved. 100% of them will have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 100% of them will be, will be among the millions and millions of individuals who comprise the family of God, those of us who are a part of the royal race, who will spend the eternities of eternities on the new earth after the millennial reign. Now, sometimes, and there's been uh, one religion that has done this, sometimes people, they hear this prophecy about the 144,000. They see 144,000 mentioned here in Revelation chapter 7. And we're about to go to the specific prophecy that focuses on it, the 144,000. First fruits prophecy in Revelation 14. But they see that. And they say, well, well, that's it. Only 144,000 people are going to be saved. If you're not among the 144,000, um, then you're going to hell. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. And you say, well, how do we know that? Well, this is where we see the pattern that exists in the book of Revelation. First, there's a report of what happens to Israel. And then there's a report of what happens to everyone else with respect to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the great tribulation. So we see that these uh, details are divided that way. So now we've heard about the fact that there are 144,000 that represent all Israel, okay, or that are included in that. But what if you're not in Israel? What if you're not among the 144,000? Well, immediately following verse 8 of Revelation 7 and verse 9, it says, After this, I looked and a vast host appeared, which no one could count, gathered out of every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages. That for sure, includes every believer. It says all tribes and peoples and languages. And how many? A vast host which no one could count. So I think it's possible to count 100, 500, you know, even 5,000 or uh, 25,000. A vast number impossible to count. That sounds to me like it's in the millions uh, or even billions or trillions, but certainly a very large number. It says a vast number. And it says, these stood before the throne and before the Lamb. They were attired in white robes with palm branches in their hands. So, there is a harvest that includes every person, whether Jew or Gentile, who found and followed God's plan for salvation and experienced the first death. And, of course, 
we're talking about the harvest that happens with respect to uh, those also who are here at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that includes every person who has found and followed God's plan for salvation. And as we just heard, it will also include all Israel. Now that we've heard that, let us go to Revelation chapter 14. What about these 144,000? And what about the Battle of Armageddon? What about that? So the Battle of Armageddon is not going to be fought and won until after the 144,000 receive the seal of God on their forehead. And so let's hear about what it says in the book of Revelation, in chapter 14, in the 144,000 first fruits prophecy and in the earth reaped prophecy. So if we go to verse 14 of chapter 14, we're in the earth reaped prophecy. I'm not going to read that whole thing today, but it's uh, Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 19. But our focus is on the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. But think it might be helpful to hear about the part of the harvest that involves you as well as the part of the harvest that involves the 144,000. So what about the part that involves you? So what if you are here at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is coming shortly? It's coming very shortly. We're going to uh, enter that period, that seven-year period, the final set of seven years described in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel's 70th week in that 490-year prophecy. That seven-year period culminates with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, it says in Revelation 14, verse 14, Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. Let's pause there for a second. The crop on earth is ripe. You might say, research scientists, what is this all about? The purpose of having human beings experience life on earth is so that God could get a forever family. So the purpose of life is not to, um, it's not to achieve this or that trophy, not to achieve this or that medal, not to amass this or that amount in the bank account, is to arrive at being a part of the harvest of the earth. To become one who is a member of the royal race. So this whole 
thing, this whole age, which is coming to an end, has one singular purpose, and that's to yield a crop, a crop of individuals who will be members of the royal race, the bride of Christ. So when it says, swing the sickle, swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come, the crop on earth is ripe, that means that it's now time to get 100% of the individuals who are going to be members of the royal race. It's time to transition those individuals from mortality to immortality. It's time for the resurrection. Verse 16 says, so the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. Did you hear that? The whole earth was harvested. At the second coming of Jesus Christ, as described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, every person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life is going to participate uh, in the harvest. Those in heaven, those on the earth who are in Christ, and those it in Israel who finally have a softened heart, who finally come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's continue. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. Now, the great winepress of God's wrath is the battle of Armageddon. You say, well, how do you know that? Revelation 19 verses 6 to 21 tells us that. There, just due to time constraints, and so we're not everywhere. I'm going to ask you to make a note of that, and we'll be talking about the marriage supper prophecy in September. We've talked about it before, but all September will be fo- focused on that. Then it says the grapes were trampled in the wine press outside the city, and blood flowed from the wine press. Now, what is it again? That's the Battle of Armageddon, and where is that fought? In Israel. The grapes were trampled in the wine press outside the city, and blood flowed from the wine press in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. So that is more evidence right there. It's also in Revelation 19, but that's more evidence that there's the resurrection, which is followed by the Battle of Armageddon. Said another way, there's the harvest. Harvest of what? Earth's crop. Whose earth's crop? Every person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. After the earth has been harvested, there's the battle of Armageddon. And at the battle of Armageddon, 100% of the armies of the world will be destroyed. And we hear right here in verse 20. Blood will flow for 180 miles. Now, why is there 180 miles worth of blood? Well, the armies of the uh, world led by the Antichrist, they're going to number in the millions. 
by the way, God has a cleanup plan for this 180 miles uh, of of blood and carnage. That's a, also in Revelation 19. Now let's talk about this. So I wanted to establish for us, uh, based on the Bible, that timeline of events. In other words, there's the first resurrection. There's saving all of Israel so that they too transition from mortality to immortality. And then there's the battle of Armageddon. Now, if you are curious about, well, what ultimately happens to the 144,000? What's their story? So, they're in Jerusalem. They see uh, many of their loved ones and friends. Uh, the, unfortunately, uh, the women are raped. Uh, their houses are looted. We're told in Zechariah that uh, some percentage, let's get that exactly right. We're told in Zechariah 14, half the population is taken into captivity and the rest are left among the ruins before Jesus Christ returns. Um, but when he returns, 144,000 are saved. All who remain are saved. So what we have in Revelation 14, verses 1 to 5, we have a documentary focused on their story. Now, don't be mad at that. It's a very good chance that you, if you are listening, that you are not among the 144,000. Now, if you are following the old covenant and you live in Israel at the time of the second coming, you are going to be included in that 144,000 um, if, if you are still alive when he comes. So there's a report of what happens to the rest of us Revelation 14, verses 6 to 19, but verses 1 to 5, it's the same pattern we saw in Revelation 7. First, God tells us about what happens to Israel, and then God tells us about what happens to everyone else. Okay, so there is a focus on specifically what is happening in Israel at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ? What is happening in Israel during the Great Tribulation? What is happening in Israel? And it goes on like that. And we have the report of what's happening in Israel and what is happening elsewhere. Okay, so about these 144,000, let's hear the full report of, of what their story is from God's perspective. So in other words, there's always more that can be shared about your story. There's a lot that has happened in your life, even in the last seven days. But if you were limited to 50 words, you'd pick those events that are most significant from your perspective. And so the book of Revelation has a finite number of words. And so God in his Wisdom created documentaries to reveal the most important events from 
his perspective. So no doubt there are details about the 144,000 that you want to know, that I want to know, that simply aren't here. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have that information or that he was withholding it uh, as a punishment. It simply reflects the reality that not every detail, uh, it, it, it didn't make sense it doesn't make sense for every detail about everything to be in the Bible. As it is, most of us are challenged just to get through the Bible in a year. Imagine if there were even more details in it than those that are there right now. Okay, so let's hear what God did choose to communicate specifically about all Israel who is saved at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 1 of chapter 14, then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Now, let's pause there for a second. Now, we're not shocked when we read this in chapter 14, because we know about the mark of God going on the forehead from other places in the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 22, and we know who the 144,000 are from the seven seals prophecy. Now we are getting to the specific documentary about their story. So here's what else it says. That was the movie trailer in words. Let me read it again. Then I saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Now, don't be mad when you hear that. So some people will say, well, is that fair? Why do they have a song that only they can hear? They had hardened hearts. What about all the Christians who didn't have hardened hearts? We are following the new covenant. They, they're Johnny come lately. Friend, you don't decide that. I don't decide that. God decides what he wants to do. And it says here, no one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. That doesn't mean that only 144,000 are redeemed, but specifically all Israel. Now think about this. These are people who have been rejected. These are people who have been deceived, their foremothers and forefathers for uh, thousands of years have had hardened hearts, and so they walked into, they were born into uh, families, a society where they're following an outdated covenant, and they have been subject to all kinds of atrocities. What are those atrocities? Their city is taken. Their houses are looted. Their women are raped. Half the population is taken into captivity, and the rest were left among the ruins of the city. They have been through 
all kinds of hellish conditions. Okay, but here on this present earth. So finally, there's light at the end of a very dark tunnel. We're told that the great tribulation is a time of crisis like the world has never seen and will never see again. So after the great tribulation, there's the wrath of God, which culminates with the battle of Armageddon. But before, let's stay here, let's stay here. They have this special song. It's only for them. And it says, no one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They have kept themselves as pure as virgins following the lamb wherever he goes. Now, let's pause there for a second. One of the things that you see in the book of Revelation is that God is telling a story over time. We tend to think of our story as, well, what's happening this year? What's happening next year? What's happening 10 years from now? But God tells a story of what's happening uh, at the beginning of time across time, and beyond time. So now we're jumping ahead. It's not possible that they were following Jesus wherever uh, he goes before they uh, had the opportunity to be with Jesus. So clearly we're in the future. Now that they have seen Jesus, they have the mark mark of God on their forehead. At some point in the future, right? We get a picture of the reality of their behavior. We get a picture of what are they doing? What are they like? So they had hardened hearts before. They were rejecting Jesus. You say, well, how do you know they were rejecting Jesus? When you have Jesus, you don't need to uh, burn. You you don't need a sacrifice. They were uh, making those sacrifices to atone for their sins, but Jesus Christ is the atonement. When he, uh, we're taught in Romans, when he died on the cross, uh, that is payment for our past, present, and future sin debt. But now that they have uh, seen their Messiah, they have received their Messiah, they've been saved, what happens later? Well, in the future, they will never, ever defile themselves. How do we know that? We're told what they're doing. They're following the lamb. Who's the lamb? Jesus Christ, wherever he goes. And it says, they have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the lamb. So God considers this special. Think about this. There have been more wars fought over Jerusalem than any other place in the world and despite what some people have said there's no group of people that have been more maligned more hated more vilified than the biological Jews and why is that it's because of their connection God it says that they are 
a special offering to God and to the Lamb. Now, ultimately, more about their behavior. Verse 5, it says, they have told no lies. They are without blame. So despite the fact that before they had hardened hearts, after they won't. They will be extremely devoted to Jesus Christ, following him wherever he goes. Now, where is he going? Here and there on the earth. And they will tell no lies, and they will be without blame. Well, how can they be without blame? But when you have Jesus, your past, present, and future debts are paid for. It's all blotted out in your book. You've been to mediation. I'm going to pause there. So what does it all mean? The 144,000 is the reality of what was prophesied in Romans chapter 11, where it says, some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And we heard in Zechariah 14 about when Jesus Christ returns. And in Zechariah 13, it says, on that day, a fountain will be opened for the dynasty of David and for the people of Jerusalem. And on that day, I will erase idol worship throughout the land. And I want to get to the part where it talks about how they're going to mourn. How they're going to mourn uh, when they realize that Jesus is their Messiah. When they realize that they have had hardened hearts. I think it's in Zechariah 12. Let me see if I can get that for us. On that day, says the Lord, I will cause every horse to panic and every rider to lose his nerve. I will watch over the people of Judah, but I will blind all the horses of their enemies. And the clans of Judah will say to themselves, the people of Jerusalem have found strength in the Lord of heaven's armies, their God. And it says, on that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. Now, when are they going to be mighty? Um, if uh, the women have been raped, the houses looted and half taken into captivity, they're going to be mighty when they get that mark of God on their forehead and they transition from uh, mortality to immortality. When they put on that peak performance body, when they transition to that, they're going to be mighty. It says the weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. And the royal descendants will be like God, like the angel of the Lord who goes before them. For on that day, I will begin to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Now, here's the key part. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me, whom they have pierced, and mourn him. And mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. The sorrow and mourning in Jerusalem on that day will be like the great mourning for Hadad Ryman in the valley of Megiddo. And it goes on, all Israel will mourn. And it talks about that. Let's get the key point. They will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. Now, why are, if Jesus Christ is there and he's saving,
giving them, if he's fighting the battle of Armageddon on their behalf, and he is, that's why he has come, that's why he has come, and that's what he's about to do, why, why are they mourning? Why are they grieving? They're grieving because they will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him. They mourn the reality that it was them, their foremothers and forefathers, who rejected Jesus. And it was them who had a hardened heart in this present day and age, and they will mourn for all who were lost. Now, they won't be lost. But when they see the reality of what the hardness of heart has meant, not only for their family and friends, but for those who came before them, they're going to feel intense sorrow and pain. It says they will grieve bitterly. Now, let's summarize the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. There are 144,000 individuals who will be present at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Before the Battle of Armageddon, as described in the Seven Seals prophecy, those individuals will receive the mark of God on their foreheads. That will protect them from the calamity that's going to come on the earth during the Battle of Armageddon. In the fullness of time, the 144,000 will experience many things, which include learning a song that only those who have endured the great tribulation and who came through it and participated in that part of Israel, all Israel that saved after the second coming and before the battle of Armageddon, special song that only they learn. And they are a special group to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And after they are saved, they will follow him around. And they will be blameless. They will not tell lies. So that is ultimately their end. When I say their end, uh, they exist for the eternities of eternities along with the rest of the folks whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But certainly, if you are in Jerusalem and you are a part of biological Israel and you have been worshiping God in the rebuilt third temple and you're believing for your messiah to come when you see jerusalem coming to ruin if you know this prophecy you know that jesus is coming you know that your messiah has promised that he will return and that ultimately all israel will be saved Friend and truth seeker, I hope that this has been an interesting time and talk for you. 
We're going to continue our discussion and analysis of the 144,000 First Fruits Prophecy on Thursday at 9 a.m. Central and 10 a.m. Eastern. Next Sunday, we'll be back with more analysis and discussion of the 144,000 First Fruits Prophecy. If you haven't done so, I encourage you, according to Jeremiah 33:3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.